Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents the conclusion of an eight-part series titled, Tools of Prayer for America. So say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the try. All right. For the last eight or nine weeks, we've been talking about tools of prayer for America, and this is part eight, the final session in tools of prayer for America. So for those of you who might have missed some of these sessions, I encourage you to go to the podcast, listen to the whole thing from beginning to end, or pick up some of the sessions that you might have missed. Now, the whole reason that we started this series is because I had a prophetic dream on the 6th of July when Trisha and I were in New Orleans visiting our middle daughter, Alicia. And in that dream, the Lord asked me to do three things. Number one, he said, issue a call to prayer for America. Number two, he said, honor the prayers of your forefathers, especially those of President Abraham Lincoln. And thirdly, he said, issue tools of prayer that Christians can use to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. And I remember when I woke up from the dream, I asked the Lord, Why the sense of urgency? I've known for many years that we need to pray for America. I have prayed for America over the years. Why the sense of urgency? And this is what I heard in my spirit. Jesus is the light of the world. But America is the conveyor of that light to the nations. As America goes, so goes the world. Therefore, pray for America. And it was such a solemn humble word that it brought me to tears and even when I shared it with my wife afterwards I could barely get through sharing this dream because I I felt such a presence of God on me and such an urgency to get this out to the body of Christ now I am not a nationally known pastor yet amen but I'm doing what God called me to do I'm relaying to you what the Lord called me to relay and there are tools that we need to learn to use in this hour that we can use to pray for America more powerfully and more effectively. Amen? In case you haven't noticed, there's a darkness that threatens to overtake our nation. And in order to push back and punch holes through that darkness, we have to pray that righteousness, truth, and justice prevail in this nation. Amen? In every sphere of influence, in every city, in every state, In every territory, every election, whether local, state, or federal, we got to be praying that righteousness prevails. Amen? In fact, the quickest way that you can take the politics out of it, whether you're conservative or liberal, Republican, Democrat, or independent, as a child of God, you can pray, Lord, in these elections, let righteousness, truth, and justice prevail. If you'll pray like that, God will answer. Amen. If we'll pray like that and vote accordingly, vote the Bible, vote biblical values, God will be enabled to implement his agenda for America. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is especially true concerning the upcoming November midterm elections. Someone said this is a fight for the soul of America. 
Now, he was of a different political persuasion than I am, but I couldn't agree more. Only I mean it in a way that's different than the way he meant it. This is a fight for the soul of America. And if you're a Christian, it is your duty to get out and vote and to vote for righteousness. Amen? Look at the party platforms. Look at the candidates that are in your district or in your state and find out what they stand for. If they stand for life, if they stand for righteousness, if they stand for truth and justice, vote for them. Amen? And you can't go wrong. Amen. Glory to God. Now, that's my little soapbox, and I've done it every time we've started our Tools of Prayer session because I just don't think it can be overemphasized. It is time to pray for America, and it is time to vote according to the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So getting back to the dream, the Lord gave me a giant toolbox. It was about 400 pounds from the looks of it. It was about four times larger than any toolbox I've ever seen. And he gave it to me, and he said, Issue tools of prayer to the thousands out there that are waiting to hear from you. And in the dream, there were thousands of people that I was addressing, and they were from every ethnic group, every political group, every type of group that you can imagine, but they were all there, and they were predominantly Christian. And the Lord said, they need to know what they can do to pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. One of the things that the Lord gave me, a revelation he gave me about all the different groups is, we don't need to be different groups. We don't need to identify as different groups. We need to identify first and foremost as born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled Christians. Amen? Isn't that right? We are brothers and sisters. And it doesn't matter what race, what color, what nationality. It just doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, you belong to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we need to set aside our differences and concentrate on the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to pray for America like never before. I refuse to let the devil take this country. I refuse for this country not to live up to its destiny. I refuse to forsake the prayers of our forefathers who laid the foundation of this great republic. I refuse. I'm going to fight for America. And the way that I can fight is not the way I used to fight. I used to drop bombs on the bad guys. But now I can drop Holy Ghost bombs on the enemies of God in prayer. Amen. In standing and declaring and believing God for great things to happen in this country. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the six areas that were highlighted by the Holy Ghost in that dream on the 6th of July were binding and loosing, prayer of agreement, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, fasting and prayer, and then something I call spirit-led prayer. As I've said before, you can use these to pray for yourselves, your families, your fellow saints, of course. But our focus in this series has been on how can we use these tools to pray better and more effectively for America. Amen? Now, we've discussed in this series up to now the prayer of binding and loosing, the prayer of agreement, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and fasting in prayer. This morning, we're going to wrap this series up with a discussion of something that I call spirit-led prayer. 
So I want to take a few minutes to read through the first part of 1 Corinthians 14. So follow along with me because I think you'll learn something. Amen. It deals with a special type of prayer, one that most of us Pentecostal charismatic types refer to as praying in the spirit. By the way, praying in the spirit is the same terminology that the Apostle Paul uses in his letters to the churches. Amen. So we're on good ground when praying in tongues is synonymous with praying in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 14, verse one through 15. This is in the English Standard Version. It's one of the best translations of this passage that I have found. All right. Now, I might step on a few toes, doctrinally speaking, but just hear me out. Amen. Glory to God. Number one, verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, over there in first Corinthians chapter 12, the nine charismatic gifts of the spirit are covered Okay, and then 13, we talk about love and 14, the whole chapter is dedicated to tongues. Okay, so you got gifts to the left, gifts to the right and love right in between. And doesn't the Bible say faith works by love and the gifts of God work by love. And if you're not operating in love, when you administer the gifts of the spirit, they will be ineffective. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why I think that 13 was sandwiched right in between 12 and 14. You got gifts on either side. But at the center of the gifts is the love of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we are to desire spiritual gifts. And the number one thing we should desire to do is prophesy. Verse two says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no man understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Amen. So. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So right off the bat, what we can learn from this verse is one of the things we can learn from this verse is that when you pray in tongues to God, when you speak to God, whether it's in English or in tongues, it is prayer, right? So right here, this is referring to a type of speaking in tongues in which you address God. You speak to God either in prayer or. Or you speak to God in praise. Either way, you can speak to him in tongues. And since he knows every language of men and angels, he knows what you're saying. He doesn't need an interpretation. Getting ahead of myself. It says, for no one understands him, the one who's speaking in tongues or the one who's praising in tongues. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. That word there, mystery, is a word that means closely held secrets that only God knows. And he reveals to his people at his discretion, at his will. Amen. So when you pray or you praise in tongues, the Bible says you're speaking the very mysteries of God and that revelation and understanding will come by praying in the spirit. Amen. Then verse three says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church now Paul is laying a case here for the proper use of tongues if you study it out you find out that the Corinthians were very zealous of spiritual gifts so much so that everybody was jumping up during the service giving words of knowledge prophesying giving uh, utterances in tongues and it was totally chaotic and totally out of order so Paul writes this uh, this letter and especially these chapters to straighten them out 
It's okay to desire spiritual gifts. But later on in this chapter, he says, but you got to do them decently and in order. So one of the things he establishes is there's a tongues that is unto God, which is either prayer or praise. And then there's a tongues that is delivered to men. And that kind of tongues needs to be interpreted because they're not going to understand what you're saying. Amen. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This is not intended to be a a detailed teaching on tongues, but you're going to get the high points. Amen. So if there's anything you don't understand, see me afterward. I'll be glad to help you. So the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Builds up there is the Greek compound word echodomeo. Echodomeo means build the house. So when you pray in tongues or you worship God in tongues, you're building up your house. What house? The house you live in. And I say it's more than just your body. It's more than just your soul. It's more than just your spirit. You're building up your whole house. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. Building it up. Amen. But when you, when you prophesy to the church, he says, you do the same thing. You echodomeo the church. You build up the house of God and the church that is in the house of God. Amen. So the simple rule of thumb is if you want to know what needs to be interpreted, all you have to ask is, who is the audience? If the audience is God, you do not need to interpret. God knows all languages, whether it be the tongues of men or angels. And that includes public worship services where people are praying and singing in tongues. They're not praying to their fellow saints. They're praying and singing to God. So no interpretation needs to happen there. But the minute I or somebody else gets up and gets behind the podium here, picks up a mic, and I give a message in tongues, it has to be interpreted. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Now I'm going to blow your mind here because I've run into many people in my 46 years of praying in tongues who've told me, well, you know, that's for some people, not for others. That's for some Christians and not for others. Well, the Bible does not say that. Verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Let me stop right there. Did Paul write this book, this scripture, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? So the Holy Ghost is saying, now I want you all to speak with tongues. But even more, to prophesy. Now, unfortunately, the King James says it like this. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. It makes it seem like it's a choice. Oh, uh, let me see. You can choose prophecy or tongues, one or the other. But no, this is the English Standard Version. says it better than any other that I know. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. There's that same word, echodomeo. All right. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So from this verse, we learn that praying in tongues brings revelation, brings knowledge, brings prophecy, and gives you good sound teaching of the word of God. Amen. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. 
There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Amen. So, Brother Scott's rule of thumb, if I give a message in tongues, I'm not going to rely on somebody else to give the interpretation. If it comes, great. If not, ahead of time, I've already told the Lord, I'm going to give this message in tongues, and if nobody else gives the interpretation, then give it to me. I'll share a real quick story. Long time ago, many years ago, when Trisha and I were stationed in Naval Air Station, Corpus Christi, I was a flight instructor for the Marines there, and uh, uh, we led a Bible study on base Saturday nights, and uh, in this Bible study, we were uh, just standing around in a circle, and uh, it was very similar to what happened this morning. The presence of God fell, and everybody was in a circle praising God, singing in tongues, singing in the Spirit, and then all of a sudden there was a lull, and I felt impressed of the Lord to give a message in tongues, so I just let her rip, tater chip, man. I was just, I just let it rip, and then I just, you know, heavy sigh, someone else can give the interpretation. Well, one potato, two potato, three potato, no interpretation. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm out of order. I started shaking. My heart started beating real fast. I thought, what am I going to do, Lord? I did my part. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, just pray for the interpretation. I said, okay, Lord, give me the interpretation. He said, now give it. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't have the or a uh or thus or nothing. What do you want me to do? So the Lord said, just start speaking. It'll come. So I did. It was a very strange experience. It was like, there's the board over the ship, and you're about to go into shark-infested waters. But, you know, I just started speaking. I said, the Lord says that you. <laughs> the first four or five words seemed like I just pulled them out of the air. The Lord says that you, and then as soon as I started, it came like a flood. And I said, the Lord said that you, someone here, a young person here in this meeting, this very morning, you were contemplating taking your own life because you feel like nobody loves you. I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you, and so do I. And there was a young teenage girl who was sitting across the circle from, from me, and she just burst into tears. She said, how did you know? I said, I didn't. The Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Okay. So, Brother Scott's rule of thumb, if I give a message in tongues, I'm ready to interpret. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. One of the things that throws people off about tongues is they, they don't hear it in their mind. They don't understand it in their mind. It's because it's a spirit thing. Okay? It comes up out of the spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit, the Amplified says, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. Glory to God. How much better could you pray than have the Holy Ghost pray through you? That's why tongues is so powerful. It's the only way I know to pray perfect prayers of intercession. Not to miss it a lick in prayer is to pray in tongues. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. I believe this is a Holy Ghost precedent. It is proper to begin praying in the spirit 
and let your prayers in English be birthed by the Spirit so they're more targeted, more powerful, and more effective. The same goes with singing in the Spirit. It will birth songs in the Spirit, like what happened here this morning. Those songs that came forth, they were totally spontaneous. They were of the Spirit because we were singing in the Spirit before they came forth. So I believe it's a pretty good precedent, and it's one that I've used for 46 years. When I really get serious about praying, I always start by praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And then I let the Holy Ghost birth prayers in my known language as I go. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's talk about the power of spirit-led prayers. When I say spirit-led prayers, I specifically refer to what I just mentioned. Prayers that begin when you pray in the spirit, when you spend some time praying in tongues. Oftentimes, as you pray like this, prayers and declarations of faith will be birthed in your known language and you'll speak them out by the Holy Ghost. Other times, God will give you the interpretation of what you're praying so you know how you're praying and what you're praying. Oftentimes, you'll feel like you you need to pray in tongues until you break through. As Brother Kenneth E. Hagin used to say, pray in the spirit until you get a note of release and you know that what you are praying for has been accomplished. Amen. Glory to God. These prayers will be more accurate, more powerful, and more focused than those that are birthed out of your natural mind. This type of praying can lose tremendous power in the spirit realm. Amen. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Amplified, I love it the way the Amplified says it, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So, as I said, most of you know where I'm coming from. I got saved and filled with the Spirit when I was a teenager, and I've been praying in tongues for 46 years. People have tried over the years to talk me out of it, but you can't talk me out of talking in tongues. Amen? Hallelujah. I've experienced firsthand the power and the joy that is released when you pray like this, the revelation that comes, the intimacy with the Father that happens when you pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. If you understand this, if you get this revelation down in your heart, you'll start to pray differently. Amen. You'll pray more fervently, more accurately, more effectively, and more frequently. Amen. Hallelujah. So three testimonies. The first testimony has to, has to do with praying out your personal destiny by praying in the Spirit. Proverbs 20, verse 5, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It says, counsel in the heart of man It's like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Other translations say the plan, the purpose in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out, a man or a woman of understanding. So I believe this is an Old Testament type of praying in the Holy Ghost. You pray in the Holy Ghost and you bring the plans and purposes of God that are embedded in your spirit, that were put there, when you were birthed, they bring those plans to the surface at the right time and the right place for those to go into effect. Amen. Pray out your destiny by praying in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that rivers of living water would come out of the innermost being of born again, spirit filled believers. That's John chapter seven, verse 38. All right. So in the summer of 1987, I was coming to the end of my time with the Marines It was my ninth year. I knew that the Lord was calling me to ministry, but I had no direction. I had no guidance. So I determined that I would 
enter a season of fasting. And I felt led of the Lord to fast the noon meal every day as long as it took to hear from the Lord. Now, we talked about this last week when we talked about fasting and prayer. I don't think there's uh, an equivalence in the more missed meals and the results that you get. I don't believe that you more, the more you suffer, the more you get back. I, I just don't believe that. I believe the more you pray as the Holy Ghost leads you to pray, you'll get what you need. Amen. And in this case, I felt led of the Lord to just just fast one meal. Now, we lived on base and glory to God. <laughs> Skynet has become self-aware. Isn't that a movie? <laughs> Chris is rolling. All right. Now, where was I? Before Arnold interrupted me. All right, so we were living on base, and I worked on base. So it was literally three minutes to the house from, from my office. So I would drive home at lunch. I would kiss Trish. She would fix her lunch, and I would go to the back bedroom, and I would pray in the Holy Ghost 30, 45 uh, minutes, sometimes an hour, and I would go back to work. And at the six-week mark, I had the presence of mind to bring a a pad of paper, and a pen into the prayer room with me. And I was praying in the Holy Ghost, and I got caught up in the Spirit, and the Lord spoke to me in a very supernatural way. It, I was in the presence of God, and He spoke to me three things. I heard it as clearly as you can hear me talk right now. He said, number one, I'm giving you a three-part plan. I want you to leave the Marines, and if you want to keep flying, you can fly with the Air Force Reserve. Number two, I want you to pursue advanced degrees in engineering. Number three, I want you to preach and teach my word wherever and whenever you're given the opportunity. So hear me out. Now, a lot of you heard this, but there's quite a few here that haven't. This is why I'm so strong on spending time in the presence of God. That one moment spent in the presence of God charted the course of my life for the next 22 years. It was worth it. Amen. Glory to God. And every one of those three parts have come to fruition in fantastic ways and laid the foundation for a dual assignment that I eventually received. Over a period of 10 years, I served as a postdoctoral researcher in the field of micro and nanosystems engineering and as director of a technology center for Louisiana Tech University all while serving as director of the Word of Life School of Ministry, a two-year Bible school based out of our home church in Shreveport, Louisiana. So running a Bible school for 10 years, believe it or not, prepared me pretty well to pastor this church, amen? And moving simultaneously in the realms of science and the Bible helped me answer an ancillary call that the Lord has put on my life in the field of apologetics. Apologetics is using science, logic, philosophy, to make the case for Christ. Because not everybody believes the Bible is the Word of God. Sometimes you've got to go extra biblical and use logic and science to convince them to take another look at the Bible. So since that time, I've written a book called Reflections of Space and Time, Finding God and Finding Direction in Life. And that book opened up so many doors for me to minister and make the case that science and the Bible are not contradictory as many suppose and many teach but they are in fact complementary amen so the lord used that three-part plan to get me where i am today amen hallelujah 
Amen. So pray out your personal destiny by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to God. Number two, this one I call praying through for Bertie Lou. Trisha and I were stationed in Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi, and I was sent to San Antonio to train in a new jet. And while I was there, our pastor's wife called from Mississippi to San Antonio, called me in my room, and she said there was a lady that she was connected with in the workforce. Her name was Bertie Lou, and she had golf ball-sized tumors, one in each of her breasts. They gave her about six weeks to live. They tried everything they could. Nothing worked. So I had had a reputation that I earned there uh, at the little church that we went to right across the state line in Alabama. And I, I, I developed a reputation for laying hands on the sick and, and seeing them healed. Okay, So she called me. She said, will you pray for Bertie Lou? So that night I got back from a flight and I basically uh, you know, cleaned myself up, sat on the bed, and I determined that I was going to pray for Bertie Lou as long as it took until I got a note of release. I just felt like I should pray for her in the spirit until I felt in my spirit that she was healed. And so I began to pray in the spirit. And I prayed for 30, 45 minutes, hour. I lost track of time because I prayed in the Holy Ghost into the night. And every once in a while, I would come out of tongues and I would say, I curse those things in the name of Jesus. Curse those tumors in the name of Jesus. Bertie Lou, you're healed in Jesus' name. Then I would go back to tongues. Then I would come out of tongues and I would speak a word from the scriptures concerning healing. And then I would go back to tongues. And I went on and on and on. And I was prepared to pray all night if need be because this was a matter of life and death for this woman. Finally, I felt like a burden on my shoulders. I just felt it lift. It just lifted. And the Lord said, it's enough. You can stop. She's healed. So I said, okay. Went to sleep. Had another flight the next day. Came back from the flight. There was a red message light there in my BOQ room back in the day when you still, you know, that kind of thing. Some of you younger folks don't even have any idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, it had a red blinking light. I knew that it was a message, and I went and I grabbed it, and I dialed the, the, um, what do you call that, the uh, switchboard, and I listened to the message, and all I heard was Pastor Janie hollering. I mean, I had to put the phone away from my ear. She's like, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. I was like, whoo, all right, glory. I called her back, and she told me the whole thing. She said, when I had you pray, they had x-rays in hand that showed these large golf ball-sized tumors, one in each breast. The next day, they took more x-rays, and they had completely disappeared. Glory to God. It pays to pray through until you get that note of release. Just listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you don't know how to pray for somebody, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And if you pray out in English, pray what the Lord births in your spirit. Amen. In English, in your known language or whatever your mother tongue is. Amen. Glory to God. So praying through for Bertie Lou. I will never forget it. Listen, this is awesome. I never met the woman. To this day, I never met her. But because I prayed. I know 400 miles away. The Lord honored my prayer and those things were incinerated, annihilated, obliterated in the name of Jesus. Glory to God.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so number three, many of you have heard this testimony because we, we shared this testimony about enemy headquarters, uh, the very first session of Tools of Prayer um, where we emphasize binding and loosing. But this time I want to emphasize praying in the Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. For the past four or five years, I have felt, as I said early on, an urgency in my spirit to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, to pray for America. And uh, this was well before I received the call to issue tools of prayer to the Christians of America. So I began to pray. This would be 2014. I started feeling a real urgency to pray for America. So I began to pray in the spirit. I began to pray for America in the Holy Ghost, in tongues, because I didn't want to pray unless I prayed what the Lord wanted me to pray. So I prayed in the spirit for actually many hours and many nights in my study in our house in Louisiana. I prayed in the spirit, just saying, just pray, I'm just praying for America, Lord. I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost for America. I need to know how to pray for America. Before long, I find, found myself drifting into binding and loosing. I began to bind the powers of darkness coming against our, our nation, our people, our infrastructure, our leaders. And I began to loose the angels of heaven to go forth and wage warfare on our behalf. That's the kind of prayers that started coming out of me. And then one night, I was praying. This was two days before 9-11. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, I sensed a shift. And I began to pray for the safety of U.S. congressmen and senators. I just, it just come up out of my spirit. And I basically said, Lord, if there's any bombs fashioned against our U.S. congressmen and senators, I pray that they will detonate prematurely or fail to ignite. I prayed again in the Holy Ghost about that situation, praying for the U.S. congressmen and senators, and this time I saw an image in my mind of a well-dressed black man. He had a, a suit and a vest, and, and I knew in my spirit he was a U.S. congressman. I just didn't know what state or what district he represented. I knew I was praying for this man. Amen? And I remember saying, Lord, I don't care if he's, if he's Republican or Democrat. He's American. I'm praying for his safety. Well, I went to bed that night with total peace. Two days later, I got up early in the morning. It was 9-11. And so I got up early in the morning, and I checked one of the news services that I check every day. This is about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I saw that there was an FBI report about an attempted firebombing of the congressional offices of Emanuel Cleaver, who was a Democratic congressman from Missouri. And at the time, he was the chairman of the Black Congressional Caucus. Two firebombs were thrown at the windows of his offices, both Firebombs failed to penetrate the windows, crashed to the concrete, and with fuses lit, they failed to ignite. That's what the report said. Two things struck me that morning. Number one, the power that's available in our prayers, it will yield to the Holy Ghost. Number two, why have I not been praying more like this? Amen? Why haven't I been praying like this more and more and more? And since that day, I have been. Because it's powerful and effective. Now, that's just one instance where the Lord opened my eyes in the spirit and showed me what my prayers were accomplishing. 
How many times I have prayed like that and I never saw the result, I don't know. But I believe when I get to heaven, I'll know. Somebody will come to me and say, you know what? You were praying in the Holy Ghost and I was at the point of death and suddenly an angel appeared and he swept me to safety because of your prayers. And you didn't even know it because you were praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to God. I pray I'm getting through to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Let me wrap this up by saying this. We got to get back to the power of spirit led prayers. To the art of praying through. If I can pray out my personal destiny by praying spirit led prayers, I can pray out America's destiny by praying spirit led prayers. And so can you. If I could pray through in the spirit for the healing of Bertie Lou, I can pray through in the spirit for the healing of America. And so can you. If I can be led into prayers of binding and loosing for a U.S. congressman, I can be led into prayers of binding and loosing for America. And so can you. Imagine with me, if you will, the things that might be accomplished in our great nation if if millions of born-again, spirit-filled Christians began to pray like this for America and for our leaders. Imagine the plans of the enemy that would be shut down and come to nothing. Amen. Imagine the progress we would make as a nation and the inroads that would be open for the gospel to be preached all over our land and all over our world. Amen. Let's commit as a people of God to get back to that kind of praying, that kind of fervent spirit-led intercession, especially for America. Right now, we need to pray for these confirmation hearings. And again, I don't want to get political, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And we need to pray that righteousness, truth, and justice prevail in these confirmation hearings. Amen? Amen. I don't care what side of the aisle you come from. That's the right way to pray. Pray that truth will be venerated and lies and misinformation and distortion would be fallen to the ground and proven to be false. Amen. You can pray like that and be apolitical. Let's get back to praying through like the old time Pentecostals used to. Let's pray through for America. Our state, our nation, our world, and our church are desperate for that kind of prayer to be offered up to God once again at such a time as this. Amen? Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. I fired myself up. I don't know if I fired you up, but I fired myself up. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for America this morning. Hallelujah. We lift up this great nation and the ideals that were founded by our forefathers. Lord, we fought a war in the 1860s to free the black man. Father God, because it was wrong and it was sinful, we had to come against slavery to realize our potential as a nation. Thank God we came through it and now we're stronger than before. Hallelujah. I pray for this nation. I pray for the glorious church to arise in this nation, to be the salt and the light and the power that that they should have been all along. Hallelujah. I pray, Father God, for a third great awakening here in America. Let the Spirit of God be poured out like never before. Lord, I'm ready for that third wave. I'm ready for the third great awakening. Pour out your Spirit on America. Lord, we pray that righteousness, truth, and justice prevail no matter who's president. 
No matter who's president, we want your agenda. We pray your agenda will be implemented here in America. Here and now thy will be done on earth and in America as it is in heaven, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part eight of today's message titled, Tools of Prayer for America. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>